Good afternoon. This is Dr. Sheila Pope, and thanks for joining me for my syndicated show, Conversations with Dr. Pope. Be sure to tune in Monday through Sunday from 2 to 3.20 on the DFW Den Gospel Radio Station. Let's talk. Oh, good morning. Welcome to Conversation with Dr. Pope. I don't know about you, but I am excited. Today, I woke up to snow. I know, snow in Pearland, Texas in February. Well, that just doesn't normally happen, but I got to give it to my children. My children had the faith, I tell you. Um, they were talking about, you know, when school was first canceled or Fridays, not the phone calls. And, you know, like every mother, when you see your child's school district <laughs> on the phone, the, you know, the announcement alert, you know what that means. It's a change coming. And so I was prepared to hear that the school was going to go into asynchronous learning, um, meaning that they had the computers at home and they would be doing their work online due to, you know, the weather. My sister had already called me and told me in Austin, they had already got the call. They were being shut down a little earlier due to the weather. And normally what happens in Austin trickles down to Houston. And then it, you know, because we're right outside of Houston, then we would feel the same uh, type of weather. So I was mentally prepared for that phone call. So I said, okay. Uh, I didn't realize that Monday was President's Day. So they were already scheduled to be off. And then Tuesday... Um, I had planned to, you know, have them happily go back to school only to find out that they were predicting snow. And so I was like, snow, oh, no snow. It's going to be another one of those days. And so my children came home. Oh, mom, mom, it's going to snow. 89% chance it's going to snow. And I said, I don't care about no 89%. There's not gonna, it's not gonna snow. It very seldom snows. The last time it snowed, you guys were super little, and I'll carry it on, okay, like any other day. <laughs> and I went to bed, and my kids came in here on Monday, and they were like, "Mom, mom, it's snowing," and I was like, "No, no." And surely, I mean, when they opened the blinds, I was like, "Oh my God, it really." is snowing. <laughs> I said, you guys, faith, y'all call that snow in because I was not a believer, okay? I was not a believer about the snow. And as my, my oldest, my 22-year-old, he was getting ready to go to work and he said, mom, you know, we got to get up and uh, do the car and everything. I'm like, well, you don't want me to go to work. You don't go, you turn the car. I said, oh, but wait a minute. Don't go get into the bins. Uh-uh. Use the Nissan. Because God knows we just, oh my goodness, I just got my Mercedes back. I had an accident in it in October. I was hit from the behind. And the back end, it didn't look as bad, but it was messed up pretty badly. So they had to do a lot of um, repairs. And we just got it back from the shop. So I was like, no. And uh, I was like, if anything will happen, Lord, let it be on the full coverage Nissan. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we cranked up the car. And I just sometimes, you know, you feel better about driving your certain cars because you just know how they operate. And so I said, okay, uh, let me go ahead on and do that. 
So he got got the car going. The kids this out there in the snow. They throwing the snow around. I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. And then it was a kind of a dark look. So uh, it was a miracle for me to see the snow. And I just kept looking at my children, saying, you know, if we could all have the faith of children, where you can tell children something and they just buy it, you know. Um, and I'm going to say, not all children, because I think it depends on the children and where you live. Some children, you just can't tell anything, because they're, they're so street smart, they've already experienced a lot of stuff, that they're a little jaded in their views. But for the most part, kids come up with a blank slate, and they are just so open, and they don't doubt as much. And I envy that about my kids, that they were just like, no. 89%, we're going to get some snow. Now, now notice I did say they they had their faith, but they also had some science mixed in. They were listening to the radio. I mean, they were listening to TV. They were on their um computers. And so yesterday, um, I was like, well, okay, y'all supposed to be in school on Tuesday with asynchronous learning. So that still means on Tuesday, we got to get up, turn those laptops on, and be ready to go. Well, my daughter, London, she gets the laptop. She opens it. She says, Mom, look. And I said, what? And on there it says, due to the power outages in Pearland, they were not going to do asynchronous learning. Instead, the kids were going to just have an off day. Because with the power outage, that means people's internets didn't work. And the district did not want to require them to do work when they were incapable of doing work. I said, okay, no asynchronous learning, meaning, in other words, there's nothing for them planned to do for me to say, go do your work, go do your work, go do your work while I get mine done. Mm. Yeah, so I was a little disappointed. But as we rode last night to pick up my 22-year-old from work, we dropped him off and we picked him up. Now, because of the bridges, they were saying, don't go over bridges. I had to go a different route because I didn't want to take the car over a bridge unnecessarily. So I went a different route. We we picked him up and everything. And I said, isn't it amazing how sometimes it takes a storm to make you think about a different, going a different direction in your life? So during this storm, two things kind of came up to me. Faith, that kind of the faith that we have that, Everything's going to be all right, you know, irregardless or, or, or holding on to what we think is going to happen. I say like a childlike faith. And then having a storm to make you change the way you do things. In business, I think that's something we don't talk about enough. There's been a lot of things going on with COVID-19. It has definitely made business owners rethink the way they do things. It's made us uh, look at the way we see our options for uh, making decisions about our businesses. But I don't think I we, we realize just how much the storm, the, the, the whole thing of COVID has just altered our lives. And I'm realizing, and I don't know about a lot of business owners, but I'm realizing it's not coming, it's not going to go back to what we used to call normal. I think... This is the new direction for the way things is going to be. And as a business owner, we have to look at and say, are we 
having that childlike faith about our programs, about things we're trying to launch, the things we're trying to do. Do we really believe with wholehearted faith that what we say is going to happen is going to happen? And are we looking at different ways to get things done, different directions to go about uh, uh, to get a new solution to a same problem? So with my son, when we went around a different route and got him home, you know, to the job and we came back at night, I told the kids before we got ready to go, I said, hey, let's get up. He had to be picked up at 730. I said, let's go. We need to take our time because I'm not flying down the road. You know, my life, I'm always in the blur. It's like, I'm always going zero to a hundred, right? Trees are standing still, but yet when I move by the leaves are, woof, you know, that, that, woof. Well, now with COVID, I've just been on slow mo. And when I was going around last night, I realized that it was dark in a lot of Pearland. That morning, I, I didn't notice if the gas stations were open or closed. I didn't pay any attention. I knew we needed gas, but I wasn't thinking about gas. I had enough to get him to work. But one thing that my kids were noticing, like, was McDonald's open, was Wendy's, uh, not Wendy's, uh, Whataburger. Well, my son said, Mom, Whataburger's not open. And I was like, you sure? And he was like, no, Whataburger was not open. I said, oh, what about McDonald's? We got returned by McDonald's, and it was not open. And for my, my children, they were like, what? Whataburger? McDonald's is shut down? The one thing that was open was the Waffle House. And my son said, well, if the Waffle House closes, you know something's going on. And I was like, I never thought about this. But again, as a business owner, right? I'm a mom, but I'm listening to my kids saying, which restaurants are open? Because they were hungry and they wanted to stop at the restaurant. And I was saying to myself, as a business owner, wow, this storm has shut down the big players. Waterburg is open normally no matter what, 24-7. So we noticed that, and I, I didn't pay attention to, to the, to the uh, gas stations. But when we got ready to go to pick them up at night, the it was a long line. I mean, traffic was going all the way around. And I was like, that's only to the post office. There's nothing back there. Where is everybody going? The Dairy Queen had opened up. The Dairy Queen was the only restaurant that I could see on Pearland Parkway that was open in my little area. And I didn't go all the way down to 288. But, and where we live, the Dairy Queen, now they have some great burgers, so let's be real. But my son would choose Whataburger over Dairy Queen any day of the week. Not me. As a mom, I look for the full meal deals. <laughs> you know, ice cream, the burger, the fry, the drink, $5, $5.49. You know, if I can get it that way. But anyway, the whole line is around the Dairy Queen. And I'm thinking, they must be the only one open. And when we went down the street, I said, oh, Waterbrook is still closed. Jack in the Box was closed. That gave Dairy Queen an opportunity. And that owner, operator, or manager saw the opportunity to make some money. See, a storm came. When the big guys were shut down, he opened up, or she opened up. And, man, they made a killing. So when I looked also, I saw two gas stations were open. And 
uh, I was like, wow. It was, I mean, we people were backing up. And I, the first thing I thought about was Harvey and Reed. I said, oh, no. No, here we go again with the gas shortage. Oh, my. And I said, people are overreacting. But then I thought about it. I needed gas myself. And, you know, I, I was at the point where the light was on this time. So I said, let me get in this line. I told my son, hey, since I'm driving you to work, you're paying for the gas. He put the gas in. I said, you get out and pump the gas. He pumped the gas, got it in there. And we, I was looking at everybody just kind of anxiously waiting. And I thought about that. I said, again, two stations open on the strip of Pearland Parkway. I mean, uh, um, Broadway. You call it Broadway. But now it's Pearland. I don't got the name of the street now, but I'm for, say for the sake of this uh, podcast, uh, it was in, in show. It's Pearland Parkway was open. And let me say, oh my God, those two stations were hopping. People were getting their gas. And I was looking at it. Because see, again, once you're a business owner, you never look at things again from a customer's perspective. You really don't. I could see how it was benefiting the, the customers, but I was thinking the same thing. Hmm. Owner operator got up and said, open up. Somebody's got to brave the weather. Go out there and turn on them pumps, turn on the lights, because everything was dark up to Cullen and uh, before you get to the railroad tracks. Even then, I went further down. It was completely dark, and that was unusual. Things in Pearland are normally open now at 9 o'clock. In Pearland, things closed down. But I meant like the wall, the CVS is to open 24 hours. The Kroger's is open till I think midnight. So it's a few stores, but the lights are always on. Well, not last night. It was dark. No, 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 um, stoplights were working. So, you know, you're driving through and it, it was very dark. But to think as business owners, those guys saw new opportunity. While others were sleeping and had things shut down, they were like, here's the time for us to make our money. Because no one knew what today was going to bring. So when I opened my eyes this morning, I I saw the sunlight through the blinds. I got up excited. Because uh, DFW, D-E-N, Gospel Radio Show, you know, the one that my show is on, Conversation with Dr. Pope is our host station, they have a new new um, platform, and so they're going live 365, which I'm excited about. And I had been, you know, thinking I wanted to take the show from an hour and 20 minutes down to an hour. I felt that was, for some reason, that settled better with my spirit. And so I asked Kendall, our, the station owner and director, I said, can we now decrease the show to one hour? Because even my television shows are normally one hour. So he said, yes, we can do one hour. I said, okay, that works for me. And so I was so happy to be able to say, let me get up and do my show. Let me get up. I have a lot of things I want to talk about. And I have not been on the radio. And so he, we, once he changed the platform, I was like, okay. I get up with anticipation. I open the blinds. And I still see snow on the ground. I was not anticipating that either. It's a beautiful day. I'm happy to see it's beautiful outside. I just was not. 
expecting to feel so good about the fact that I can see icicles on the car. <laughs> and again, I am not a winter woman. Uh, I'm from Louisiana originally, and we just don't, I don't do cold weather. I don't really like snow, but I got to admit, it's refreshing because it doesn't happen often. And again, as a business owner, I saw something in the storm of it all. I saw that, again, um, I've been listening to Cheryl Brady, and she has a book I call uh, Don't Miss Your Moment. I looked at the guy or whoever the owner-operator of that Dairy Queen. They didn't miss their moment. They saw a moment, and they opened up and said, hey, let's get some customers in here. Because when the power was down, and I wasn't thinking of that. Because, see, in my house, the power is on. I cooked chicken. I did my normal yesterday. That was great. But I wasn't thinking about the people outside of my house and up and down the street in Pearland, those who were without power all morning, that it's cold outside. They didn't have candles. Some of them may not have had candles or been prepared. Stores were not open to rush out to go to the store to get the things that you were not ready for, right? So it made me say, oh, we're so blessed. One, to have power all day long. And then two, to see just how God is like working things out for some business owners who were like smart enough to say, let's get up, let's go out here, turn on the power and make some money. Let's not miss this moment because when all the restaurants are back open, the McDonald's, the Whataburger, Dairy Queen is not going to be the first place for breakfast. Matter of fact, Dairy Queen don't serve breakfast. I drove through the the uh, McDonald's line because I saw another person drive through. And that was funny too. Watching people at the light, I can see people going through the Whataburger line, right? Because they're just so trained to believe it's always going to be open. And they drove one by one. They would go around and realize it wasn't, it wasn't open, so they turn around. That was funny. We as consumers are trained to know what stores are going to be open, what, what restaurants. And when things are changed suddenly, we, we, we don't think about it. We're not prepared. We're like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I was one of those people. I drove through the kids and said, mom, it's not working. I said, no, it's not working. And I was, to be honest, I was glad it wasn't working. I really didn't have enough money to be running around going over there to McDonald's uh, when I had food at home. My kids, sometimes they don't understand that. But I don't want to get off topic. So my point is, in the storm, I saw that there were moments that people could capitalize on. And so I said, yeah, I need to get up and do my show. I need to, to get up and, and look at things because I think God is... He's still talking to us through these different storms. COVID, now we have snow. And in Texas, a lot of us are not prepared. For the first time, I watched how on um, Spectrum app, I was able to watch how the the people who come into the country, legal or illegal, they come in at the, at the uh, Laredo border. And it was, they were showing 
They talked to a family, and they were outside. Kids were putting on. They was the kids were so happy. They were little. I'm gonna say like maybe three, four years old. Um, they had the parents, and they were out there in that cold, and they were saying, "We're not used to this." We're we're they were trying to come over to, to 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 Laredo, Texas, from Mexico, to have a better life, and I understand that. Um, they were coming in, but it was freezing cold, and and I. And they were not prepared for that. They didn't have coats and things like, well, I think they had a jacket on, but one of the kids was putting on his socks, his shoes, and I fell for the family. Now, don't get me wrong. I know people say, well, they coming in here illegal. I, I, I know. I know. Uh, but I'm saying when you actually see the family, you go, oh, my God, look at that little kid and, and their parents. And they're risking everything by coming over. And it was a... I, I don't know what it's called, but a place they went to that the people were interviewing them from. And they were, I guess you had to go through a, the station or uh, whatnot, I guess, to get your paperwork done. And they were saying they didn't know where they were going to go. And I said, I've never really seen that, where people are interviewing them once they come here. <laughs> and, and And saying, okay, what do you do next in the cold? Where are you going with your family in the cold? They Their direction didn't change because of the snow. The direction and their mission was to get to the United States via Laredo border. And they got here, but they were like, we're here, but now we don't have our correct clothes on for the weather. And you want to make sure your kids are safe. Even if they get caught and have to get sent back, uh, they were like, hey, we're here. And they were on to the next step. So that made me realize that, again, some people quit on their journey to financial freedom, um, to owning the business, to going to school. The elements of life make you quit. It gets hard. You, you know, you're not expecting snow. You're not expecting a storm. And so you quit. You quit midway or you quit before you see your goals. And this family was like, no, we are here. All of us are together. We're going to stay together. And we're going to see what, what happens next. So that was very interesting to me. To see all that. And again. I don't know about everybody else. But as a businesswoman, I have been asking myself. You know this year. I have. I decided I wanted to try a few more things. That I have never done in business. Because I am determined to stay an entrepreneur. I am what I am. And while I'm supposed to be writing and finishing up my book and doing editing, I got my mind. I don't know about anybody else's, but during COVID, I've had ooh, almost, I think, too much time to reflect, <laughs> too much time to sit and evaluate what's working and what's not working for its business. And then also looking at what am I doing for multiple streams of income? And so one of the things that I have done is I decided, well, I didn't decide. I think it's something you do because you're supposed to do it. And one of the things I do and I do very well is I teach. And so I had the opportunity to go back to the MCAT program at Texas Southern. It's called the Fabulous 50 um, Pre-Med Program. 
And in that program, I teach the critical analysis section, CARS. It's critical uh, analysis reading skills. And so I'm excited because we're doing it online. Uh, we decided we we're going to do it online because, you know, again, it, because due to COVID, TSU, Texas Southern University, is still online. So offering the classes online for the safety of the students and the professors. And we were supposed to start the program in August. It got moved from August to uh, to now we just started February. And in that time, I was waiting on my contract. And I was also thinking of, you know, what do I want to do different this year with the program? I came in last year and I am, and I think I've said this on this program before, I'm the only female in the group. So I don't often think about my gender because I'm used to being the only woman a lot of times. But I think it's important to me now as a female that I represent females and represent us well. Because if when I leave, I want to, if, if, if they're offering another opportunity for another woman, I want her to be able to come in and say, well, yeah, Dr. Pope, she represented. And so expectations are high. And, and if that's, I think that's what you do when you're the only one. And so I was sitting there thinking last year, I said, well, if I do the program this year, I, I want to do something different. And I was thinking of, you know, what can I do to engage my students? What can I do? Because I'm still talking about a new direction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Talking about how storms make you think differently. Well, with COVID, because you're online, you have to think, how can you engage students online? And I'm not going to lie to you. Yesterday I said, well, if it's snowing outside, I'm sure students do not want to get online for class. And I was waiting on TSU to say, okay, <laughs> class, no asynchronous learning today. So they shut TSU down yesterday, and I got the thing today that it was shut down today. I woke up excited about that because I hadn't planned how I wanted to handle today. So that gave me a little time to get my program together, my what I want to do today in that class. I think as a business person, one of the reasons we're not successful is that we don't have contingency plans. We don't have well-developed plans to, to make a program successful. And because I look at data with this program, meaning I look at all the test scores, we got them last time, but I didn't have them laid out. So now I'm going to go back and look at the data. And what we did last Tuesday is I decided to do data analysis. I asked the students, what do you like? Did the Kaplan class help you? How did that train it? Because they went attending the Kaplan program. How did that help you? How did it prepare you? I asked about their scores. If they wanted to share their scores, they could. But I wanted to know out of the sections, how did they, you know, what, what order did they have their highest section in? And many of them headed in cars. And I was like, yay, yes, that's my section. Um, but I think also Kaplan helped with cars. Kaplan helped with all of the areas, chemistry, physics, all those different subjects. But I was excited because cars was the section that they were saying they were going to score the worst on. 
ended up being cars was the section they scored the highest. Many of them scored the highest then. And that was my section. And I was very proud of that. It And it made me say, look at the data, talk to the students, let's see what we can do to move this thing even farther. And I get paid for that. And I was excited about that until my the chair didn't have my contract ready to go. And I was like, oh, okay. You don't have the contract ready yet? We've been talking about this program since August. I'm attending meetings, and I'm, I'm doing this based on I know that I'm going to get paid. Well, you know, in business, guys and girls, when uh, maybe a storm, right? Like I said, the snow came. I had to change directions. When you are looking at things in business and some obstacles come up, you have to operate differently too. So one of the things I used to do, I used to like attend meetings, go to tables, talk to potential contractors and say, here's my pitch. Here's what I can do for you. Then you wait to see if they're going to put everything in writing, right? The moment they say, let's go move forward and there is nothing in writing, I would still keep going in a hope that, okay, this is going to show up somewhere. I realize, don't do that. Don't handle your business that way. No. When you get to that table, they already know you. They've got the data on what you've been able to do. The contract should be there. If the contract is there, not there, don't proceed. Stop. They had a meeting, and they said, oh, Dr. Pope, are you going to be at the meeting? I said, no. And he was like, why not? I said, you haven't hired me. And he was like, well, you know I'm gonna, it's going to be taken care of. I said, no, I don't. But see, I've learned. Don't argue with people about your services. Stop. I stopped. I have to operate differently. People can't make you do something different. You have to tell yourself, I'm going to do something different. And different is what I did. And I'll come back after the break and we'll talk about what I did differently. So, what I did differently was, mm-hmm. you know, I tell you, I was getting ready to do the start the, con- the, the uh, MCAT program up. And here's what I did differently. I didn't fear. I didn't fear that if I did not proceed, that I would not be hired again or contracted out at Texas Southern. Now, that was a big fear for me because, you know, when you are working as an entrepreneur, you always try to make sure you keep something where you can say, okay, I know this is going to come, this is going to come, this is going to come, meaning income. And you try never to ruffle any feathers. You try to always keep your people happy, you know, provide your service, do a great job. But I've learned that your fear of not of, of, of not trusting God, like the kids did. The kids, my children had so much faith when they heard 89% chance of snow. You couldn't tell them no different. And although I had the data to show that the program, what I'm doing is working, what the, the students have shown that they can, uh, you know, score higher in cars. 
that was like, oh, I had all of that data, but in my mind, I was so worried that what if they get upset and suddenly you're not a team player and then you won't be offered the position again. And then I realized I, I bring the service. I need them and they need me. Sometimes we forget that part. We're needed. When the storm hit, people, the person that owner operated and opened up that Dairy Queen <laughs> said, hmm, it's a chance that I may get, that we may have a little accident getting over to the place, but we're going to risk it because the money we're going to make to open up the door, to turn the light on, to, to have cars come through, it's going to be worth it if we just take that risk. I took a risk, a calculated risk. The calculated risk is I know what I bring to the table. And I have to always bet on me and not worry that someone wants my services and they're not there with paperwork. That's telling me they're not respecting you as a business person. And so by me stopping and me saying, no, I will not attend any more meetings until you get this thing in writing. Until I get the paperwork, I will not be there. So on the first night of class, I was not in class. And the uh, chair got the paperwork. And he had the paperwork. I saw it. And I noticed it was a sign by the powers that be. So I said, okay, I need this signed by everybody. So I checked on that to see, hey, where are we on this paperwork? And, and he said, oh, everything's done. Now, I got to go back and say, let me see the paperwork. Don't be a nut. You got you to go back with people. You got to check on because people tell you anything. Now, I got to go back and say, hey, let me see that paperwork. I'm doing my part. I'm working. I don't want to miss the payroll date. But again, I had to take that risk and say, stop worrying about if someone's going to say you're not a team player. If they're not giving you a contract, you're not a part of the team. If they're telling you, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to take care of you and the paper's not there, don't believe that. The contract speaks volume. That's what you look at. And so that was one of those things I took a risk in. And mm -hmm. I felt like, whoo, you know, once I did it, uh, guess what happened? Another contract that I had uh, to teach online, live online, came up. They offered me paperwork, told me when I was going to be working, how much I was going to be working, and said, hey, let's get this done, this done, this done. I said, okay. That started moving real quick. I said, Lord, thank you. See, the moment I let go of the fear of losing that money, more money came. Because I still serve the same God <laughs> that I was serving when I sold TSU. No, not until I get some paperwork. And when this other company came in and said, hey, Dr. Pope, we need you. And this is what I'm realizing through these, these different storms. Like I said, I'm looking out the window while I'm filming this podcast, while I'm recording this podcast, and while I'm recording my radio show, because this is also my radio show. And I'm looking at outside and I'm saying, 
This is what it's all about. We can't control the weather. I don't, we don't make snow. We don't, we, we could not, we're still learning how to contend with COVID. We don't really know the origins of COVID. We don't know what happened. All we know is here. And we have to learn how to function in these things. And we have to look at the brighter side of these things. Although things have happened, um, people have died. And I'm going to talk about that in a, in a second. I, I just realized, again, is there so much beauty in all of this? To listen to my children be so excited about their faith. And it's going to snow. It's going to snow. 89% it's going to snow. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think it's going to snow. To to hear and to see them say, Mama, we told you. We told you. And it's, I feel that way when, when I something in business happens. And it's like, you just feel like, oh, oh, I sold, I, I, I sold one of this. Or I, I got a client for that. It's that 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 same euphoria you feel because it's like oh okay God it happened it happened now this year in my um, the resource center and I have a group called the Boss Ladies Boss Ladies Facebook group we always have an annual vision board party this year we did it um, via Zoom and I'm gonna edit the film footage of it and put it out there. It was wonderful, and I created my vision board for the year, yes, and on the vision board, it's already, my vision board is up. Once I finish it, I have a spot now, it goes up, and I look at it every day, and on my vision board, this year, I focused on my health, I focused on, like one of them said, productivity, productive, productive during the pandemic, inclusive innovation. Women on a mission, home teams, local news, let's talk, take a leap. These are some of the, the, the words I have, the road ahead. And of course, I have one. I know I'm on the gospel radio station. I can't say the whole word, but I'm going to say this. It says, bad A women. <laughs> and that's what I'm focused on this year. I'm focused on um the weight loss i need to work on my skin uh the stuff that i'm making i'm producing this year new podcast you know the the radio show being in my moment that's what i'm focusing in on this year and i'm excited about all of that i don't know i valentine's day came and valentine's day went and guess what i was just as happy as I was when it came, because I forgot about Valentine's Day this year. I know, I can't believe it either. But that's how at peace and content I am in the skin I'm in this year. I don't know about you, I wasn't moved by I don't have a partner this year. I don't have a boyfriend, not a potential boyfriend, not even a prospective <laughs> boyfriend. I, you know, I was just content and happy with where I am. I, I, again, I need to be in my moments more. And one of the things I realized is that if you're not grateful for what you have, you can't be appreciative of what you expect. And so I, I woke up this morning, this like excited about, what I have, what an opportunity 
to have the show, Conversation with Dr. Pope, the radio show, my podcast, on Live 365, on DFW, uh, DEN Gospel Radio Show. And also, it, it airs on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, all these places. I have an app called the Boss Ladies Professional Network. $9.99 to get on the app and to join me. And to, you know, if you want coaching services, you want to have direct contact and talk about and share your stuff. That's what that app is for. I don't, I, I have not been advertising enough, so I'm going to start doing that more this year. I have an opportunity to still do what God has called me to do during COVID, during the snowstorm. I, I have that opportunity because what I do, I can do online. My gift of teaching, talking, my shows, those are all still going. I just use a different uh, way to capture the, the shows. I'm excited about things that are getting ready to come up. Um, I have a documentary I'm getting ready to work on. I can't do anything else, though, until I get the book done. And so that's where I'm still stuck. <laughs> and I got to get that part done. But what I woke up this morning hearing in my spirit was, you need to get your show and you need to use your platform um, in a better way to let people know what you are doing and to have them join you. So although I have the platform, I still want to have it where we can have a live, uh, interactive, engaging conversation um, with, with these with this platform. And I, I think I figured it out. Um, I'm working on going on Patron. I'm on there, a patron, excuse me, Patron, that's liquor. Excuse me, that's not what we're doing. I don't even drink hardcore stuff. So it's patron. And I got a platform there. I'm starting it. I have to be careful. I tend to start too many things at one time. So I've been really working on doing one thing well at a time and then going to the next thing. Now, my, my radio show, that's an everyday thing. Have I been doing it every day? No, because I was fussing in my head about, oh, an hour and 20 minutes is too long. Now, that's no longer an argument. Now, my show is 60 minutes. That is very, that's good for me. That's a good time to have a guest and to have um, a show. And speaking of guests, one of the shows that I had with, uh, Alayla Broussard, and I think I said her name wrong again, is Mala, Mala Broussard. I had lost the, 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 the audio to the doggone thing, and she gave it to me the other day. So now I can have that show on, and she's talking about her travels. I'm interviewing her. I have the one with us on the pod, the, uh, the Zoom, we did our What's important to us as far as uh, boss ladies and our vision boards. Um, I'm very excited about that. And I still can't find the audio I had with my brother. This is the thing about doing all of your stuff yourself is that you realize 
you can't do it all. And I'm still working on delegating, delegating things out. I'm working and partnering heavy with flows. Uh, I'm finding out that they can do more things than I've been allowing them to do. So I'm now going to work on ways to use, to better utilize the services, um, to delegate things out. Because I think I love the way God has told me and showed me he can use me to help others. And I'm hoping that those who are listening to me, that you too, uh, when you listen to the show, you're thinking, hey, what's the new way in which I can innovate and do what I'm doing? We all know if you're listening, you know, you know, okay, God is you're on a gospel radio show. So you already know that he talks to you. You know that he gives you direction. You know he gives you your creativity. Sometimes it just takes like-minded people to get together and figure out the plan. So the vision board is saying, here's what I want to accomplish. Put into pictures and words. But you still have to be the catalyst, the action, the person that puts it all and brings it all together. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the television producer. I'm the documentary maker. That's who I am. I'm also a pod, uh, a blogger. I'm also a podcaster. I'm also a radio host. So you see, I I realized I'm a lot of hats, but I'm one person. And if I can do these things in the way God leads me to do it, it will be successful. But sometimes I get too ahead of myself. I don't know if y'all have experienced that. And that's what I love about the snow. That's what I, I, I have learned through COVID as well. Now, I want to share something on this last half segment of the show. I, I, I may have mentioned her on my shows, but um, over the years, when I was 19, I met uh, Marie Johnson. And Marie Johnson came into my life at a time where I had just, um, well, I figured out, you know, how to do, how, how I knew I loved seniors. That was, that was always there. I was raised, uh, when my mom and my dad were married and they left me at home, my aunt Zephy, we call her Ma, would babysit. She'd keep me every day. And I was the baby, and she had older uh, children who were school-aged, and I stayed home with her all day. And I think if anybody can identify, you know when you're raised by an older person, a senior, it is just different than being reared up by a youngster. Well, my Aunt Zephy impacted my life, and oh, I didn't even realize how powerful her, the time she took every day with me, how it would change my life. She taught me how to tell time. I learned how to watch stories. You know, the edge of night was the story she used to watch. I watched her and her friends. And we, she had a hen house. And I learned how to go collect eggs. Uh, we, uh, uh, we were in Winfield, Louisiana. Okay. So, yeah. She had roosters and hens and fresh eggs. And a little dog named Black Gal. Uh, and you go outside. And, you know, I was always clumsy. But I would go with Ma out there to collect the eggs, and I'd pretty much be wherever she went. Uh, Ma could not drive, never knew how to drive, 
My Uncle Charlie was her, her husband, and they were married until, like I said, until death did them part. I don't know how many years, but I'm going to say at least a good mm, 40. Uh, I'm going to say that maybe longer than that because I don't know how old Charlie May was when they passed. But anyway, when I was with Ma, I learned compassion for seniors. And when I got to be 16, um, I went back home. I had, you know, my mom moved, got divorced, but Ma was always still like my grandmother. She was my aunt, but she was really my grandma. And I went back home and I got my first job at Troy Supermarket. She was with me. Oh my gosh, she let me have so much fun. She took the reins off of my mom, had me kind of clamp down. She didn't care about some of the same rules. It was a different ball game. I learned, I was driving by that time. I took her and my uh, her best friend fishing. Oh my God, uh, Zippy, she used to dip that snuff. Uh, Bitter Garrett. <laughs> anyway, it just taught me how to have patience, how to enjoy older people, how to respect them and the value that they bring. So at 19, when I'm working at Spring Branch Hospital and I'm doing food service, um, I'm making the salad prep. I'm the cashier, and Miss Johnson used to unload and load the Cisco truck, and she washed dishes. And so we became. She used to watch me all the time. I had a lot of energy. Um, she'd watch me. I'd read. Uh, back then, it was Terry McMillan was hot. You know, I was reading uh, Terry McMillan. Uh, I was a hot mess. I was all over the place, and she would watch me and say, "You always reading the book." And I said, yeah, and I was in school getting my social degree. We had a good friendship. I didn't realize it until she started getting sick. And at the time, she had put in 20-something years at Spring Branch Hospital. And because she was getting sick, she was no-showing. Um, she would get sick and pass out on West Little York on these benches waiting for the bus. And instead of them saying, hey, this lady needs help, uh, her boss tried to get a fire. And I was always a fighter. Now, fist fight, yes, but I meant I was also an advocate. And I figured out I needed to help her keep her job. And so we started working on, that was my first project with her, was to help her retire. Then I realized she was so sick, she still needed, like she got a, we got her nerves, we got her diagnosed with what was going on with her. Then I realized, you know, with the retirement, we we had to get her her social security. You know, all these things I was I was able to help Miss Johnson with. Uh once we got her well, she was sitting on that front porch every day. Mm-hmm. I had a Mustang by the time I got uh, twenty something, I had a Mustang, had my first house built, and I would go over to her house in uh Acres home. And we would sit on the front porch. In Louisiana, that's something you do. You sit on the front porch. You watch the cars go by. You, you wave at people as they come by. And Miss Johnson did that day in and day out. She's on her front porch. You can tell you everybody business from one end of the street to the other. And so I would go by and check on her. And over the years, she just became more and more like my grandmother. For all intents and purposes, on paper, she is my grandmother. And... I got a chance to not only help her, because once people figured out I was helping her with stuff, they would come ask me 
from the job because she left and I was still working at that time. We had moved from the down to to the cook. We was a kitchen in the kitchen at the Spring Branch Hospital. I learned I was never meant to be in an industrial kitchen cooking. Mm-mm. I did the dishes and almost passed out several times. It was too hot in there. I don't know how those ladies did it. And they were all older ladies. I I worked with Miss Lorraine, Miss Shirley. <laughs> one was going blind. One had a leg shorter than the other. Uh, I learned how to do widow's benefit with Social Security office. I learned how to uh, help with disability paperwork. I learned a lot from working with all these ladies. And again, I had a normal like passion for seniors. And I realized if I was passing out in that kitchen, I don't know how they were doing. But they were so used to it. And I I got out the kitchen. But when I got out the kitchen, I didn't terminate my relationship with any of those ladies. I was still helping. So once we got all that done, and Miss Johnson got to a point where she couldn't maintain her health in the house anymore, we got to move to a nursing home. And... I don't know how many years that was, but Miss Johnson was with me through a marriage, through a divorce, through me having my children. I got four kids. She's with me through my, my son is 22. My other three I adopted. She was with me through doing all of that. My kids know Miss Johnson. They knew her from babies on up. Um, I genuinely love Miss Johnson. And so when COVID struck in March, they had, you know, they shut down the nursing homes. And in my mind, I don't know why I, I have this tendency to think everything's a-okay. And my mom had said, you need to check on Miss Johnson. And I last time I went to see her at the nursing home was a picture. I had a picture December twenty, uh, December 31st, 2019. Then I had a picture with Miss Wallace. I found it later. I saw her in uh, February of 2020. So I knew when I go see Miss Wallace, I see Miss Johnson. Both of them, ironically, used to be neighbors. And Miss Wallace saw that I helped Miss Johnson got in a nursing home. So she said, can you help me get, in, get me in a nursing home? I got her in a nursing home. And they became roommates, like next-door neighbors to each other, the same nursing home. But Miss Johnson got transferred uh, two years ago. So anyway, long story short, I go over the other day to see Miss Wallace. And because I'm thinking, I don't know where I got this from. I thought the nursing homes were open. And they were, they are not, they are not open, but you can now go and see uh, your relative. Like in this case, what Miss Wallace is, you can see them through their literal window at the nursing home. So I had to go to the front. The lady tells me to go to the window. I go see Miss Wallace through her window. They can't open the window because they don't want COVID to come in through the, the window. I get that, but I was so angry that I had to stand in the mud outside of a window and talk to Miss Wallace. Well, she told me, she said, Sheila, you know Marie died. And I was like, what? Died? What? Mm-hmm. I said, no one called me. No one told me. I'm at the window last Sunday, and I discover my friend, for all and purposes, my grandmother, that I have known since I was 19 years old and I'm 52 now. I have been her friend, been her advocate, been the one who helped with all her paperwork, you know, all these things to discover that she had died 
in June of 2020 at a nursing home. And although I'm not her family, no one called me. And I was so hurt. And then I said, well, wait a minute. Reverend King normally calls me. And then she tells me, Reverend King died also. I was like, oh, my God. Two people. Now, I didn't know Reverend King as much, but he was my lifeline. When something would happen and they move her, then I would get it confirmed. Okay, she's over here. And he would be like, oh, yeah, she's over there. And I'll keep your number and I'll let you know if anything changes. And... I felt, I can't even express how I felt. I was hurt. And then because I'm not, I wasn't on the new paperwork at the new facility when they moved her, that um, they didn't want to even tell me. And they they have that right because of HIPAA, um, the HIPAA or FERPA, I forget which one of them, but uh, they can't tell you anything about the, the people, right, if you're not a relative. So... I had to call another day at the nursing home, the next day on Monday. Then she directed me to the Harris County Guardianship Program. And then luckily, uh, one of the ladies there, she spoke to me and she said yes. She confirmed that my friend Marie Johnson had passed in June of 2020 and that uh, she was cremated. And it gave me a sense of relief. I grieve. I'm still grieving. But it also, you know, I, I I was upset about the being outside and talking to Miss Wallace through the window, hearing this information. But it also gave me something else. I figured, okay, why are we outside talking to people through the window? <laughs> and my my sister said, okay, don't go stir that pot up over there. And I said, well. I think it's a better way of doing things. I don't know all of it yet. And my sister said, have you been watching the news? And I said, obviously not enough to know that they made all these changes. I just know it was hard. And I'm not family. I'm not biologically family. But when you've advocated and fought and, and been with someone for over 30 years, you just feel like you deserve better. And I never met her son. She does have, she had a son. And um, so I'm sure, because she said there was a funeral at the funeral home before they cremated her. So I'm sure that's who got the ashes and stuff, which is fine. That's, I don't have, you know, I respect that. It, it's just the fact that I was like, no one knew to call me. And then. Ms. Wallace brought it to my attention. She said, you changed your number. And I only had one number. And you didn't have that number anymore. And I was like, oh my God. When you change a phone number, you got to let certain people, you got to get that number out. And I completely took that for granted. Just completely did not think about it. Didn't think about the fact that the nursing homes, if you're not on paperwork, you're not updating your information. They're not going to break their necks calling you. They're not going to reach out, especially for the person who comes in and shake that boat. You know, if you're the ones making them do certain things, they're not bringing you in. And so I was so hurt, but I realized where I dropped the ball. So again, as business people, if you are advocating for seniors mm-hmm. or anyone, make sure when you change your number, 
you also, and I hadn't changed my number in years, you make sure you do what you give it to the people who need it. Make sure your stuff is, you know, anybody that needs to have your number, that they have it. Make sure you're doing your part to to dialogue, to let people know you've changed. Not that they got to let you know about them. You're the one who need to be in the know. That was a hard lesson to get out of that. I, I'm, But I'm so grateful for all the time that God allowed me to learn what happens with seniors, what happens to them when um, they're functionally illiterate, what happens to seniors when they don't know how to work a system. They need someone to advocate. They need someone that they can trust to be there for them through thick and thin. And so that was what I, I learned that, you know, COVID-19, yeah, it has caused some problems. It has caused major problems in the nursing homes. And you, we, we see it from one angle that everybody, a lot, of, a lot of people are dying in the nursing home. But we're not always, we're not also seeing the people who, who care for them are basically being shut out. Uh, and like I said, we're literally at windows looking through the windows to see how people are doing. To talk to them. But I'm going to have to do what I got to do to keep up with Miss Wallace. Because she said, now, nah, uh, she doesn't call me Dr. Pope. She calls me by my name, Sheila. She said, Sheila, now, Miss Wallace has passed, but I'm still here. In other words, you still got somebody to take care of, Miss Thing. Don't forget that. So my job of being an advocate for seniors is nowhere near over. Nowhere near. But I, I just I just thought that was something that, that this storm, COVID, has brought in that I was not even prepared for. So I can honestly say I lost someone during COVID uh, in a nursing home facility. And I, I, I found things I should have done better. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell each of you, if you have loved ones in the nursing facilities, please go check on them the, the way you can, calling, making sure all your numbers are up to date, make sure they have all your contact information, make sure you go literally to the centers now and see what type of visiting procedures that they have so you can do your part, not just as families, but as advocates for seniors, advocates for uh, your friends who may be in the nursing home. Because they need it more than ever now. They need it. All right. So, just want to thank y'all today for listening to me and having this conversation with me today. Uh, I'm just, again, I'm excited. I'm looking at the window and I'm so glad I was able to wake up and see snow and see life from a, ooh, a total fresh uh, and, and renewed viewpoint. All right. Well, y'all have a great day. Conversation with Dr. Pope is produced and hosted and written by Dr. Sheila Pope.